what's up? It's the Cover Band Central Wisdom Hour, number six. I am Steve Witchell, coming to you live from New Orleans. And I'm Tony Barnard, coming with you live from New Jersey. What's up, brother? It's happening. Ah, uh, this is take two. <laughs> take two. We're doing this live. I started it a couple minutes ago and just completely fuddled up the, uh, the theme, so I had to start again. But uh, we are live on the Cover Band Central page right now, my friend. Yeah, live. Yeah, so anybody listening, if you would like to contribute, like to say something, comments, questions, anything, we will entertain you with your stuff and make this more wisdom. Yes, make, make this more interactive and wisdom. We uh, we came up with this new name. Um, and you want to tell the, the, the origin of this whole thing, brother? Sure. So Wisdom Hour. So many years ago, Steve and I would have a, a weekly phone call where we would call it the Wisdom Hour. And we would talk and rap about all things uh, music and life and, and just in general. And then it, 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 the, the moniker Wisdom Hour then was adopted because today, what a great you know opportunity to share some wisdom and talk about things. And it could be topics like we speak about on this show. It could get real deep about you know life experiences and spirituality and things of that nature. But it was always very, very enlightening and fun. And so we adopted it to be Wisdom Hour. It will now be the Cover Band Central Wisdom Hour, but it will be spelled W-I-Z-D-U-M-B, because <laughs> we will impart <laughs> we will impart knowledge about all kinds of dumb things. Yeah, and some, and we will impart in a silly fashion. Good, uh, yeah, some uh, um, dumb things in a smart way. Yes, absolutely, but fitting because sharing, you know, our, our experience and our our. Uh, not necessarily wisdom, but more experience and, and you know, different uh, viewpoints on, on the topics that we do cover here on Cover Band Central. So it will now be the Cover Band Central Wisdom Hour. For right. those of you joining us, welcome. Right. It really fits in with my whole idea for Cover Band Central in the first place. This is really an ideal name for for it, this thing because what, starting this page for me was about finding information that was valuable to musicians or, or uh, entertaining to musicians uh, or just useful in general. Uh, so I really wanted to make it about education in a big way, but also not take ourselves too seriously. So I, w I would always put up jokes like memes of uh, different uh, instruments, all music-related, band-related, but make it um, so I'm poking fun at, at everybody. You know, I, I make it, uh, you know, I poke fun of bass players and then drummers and singers and, and, and all of them. And sometimes people get a little bent out of shape about it, but not most of the time people get the joke. Because I think that we all, you know, we, we're, we're smart because we're able to learn an instrument and do something cool like playing a band and play live. But we're also kind of idiots sometimes. <laughs> For doing it, <laughs> well, just in general. I mean, just with, you know, when we're when we're having fun, when especially when you're in a band with and you're tight with your uh, your bandmates, you know, you, you act like with guys. You know, you make fun of each other. You you uh, you know, uh, but you, you become silly. You become silly. You don't take it all that seriously, especially when you get to a level where you're you don't have to think about your gig anymore or, or think about songs anymore or uh, 
it's not really work. So now you're having fun with your friends, and it's kind of silly and dumb. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and I think to your point, the whole forum aspect of Cover Band Central, you know, we're sharing, uh, you know, like you said, knowledge amongst the community of musicians, and, you know, we welcome other people's input as well, uh, questions and, and also insights on things. So yeah, that everyone can become better, right? And 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 maybe take away something if you take away one small thing from the show, uh, that makes you better, makes you a better player or a better person. Then uh, we have succeeded, right? Um, and speaking of wisdom, oh, there's uh, or speaking of uh, interaction, there's Cal checking in, saying, "Yo, what's up, guys?" Yeah, nice. Um, what's up, Cal? So we got Cal listener. I I found out today that another one of my former bandmates bandmates listens to this and i didn't even know because we're getting some listens dude every week we're getting like you know 80 90 listens so it's getting out there um so even though people aren't responding or, or partic- participating we know that people are listening so that's pretty cool you know we just need like seventy two thousand nine hundred and ten more people to listen yeah you know well it starts small you know um so uh what was I going to say more about this, uh, the whole wisdom name? Um, just that, uh, yeah, I mean, that was really kind of, that in, in one word, that kind of encapsulates my vision for this whole thing is for all of Cover Band Central is imparting valuable information, but also making it fun and silly. You know, Absolutely. In a nutshell. And wisdom, wisdom Hour is the perfect name for that. You know, it's not yes. pretentious. It's just a, an open sharing of ideas and experience right so um so that's it man it's dubbed the wisdom hour it's number six we started this podcast and it just had a generic cover band central podcast name uh, but now we're uh we're gonna call it the wisdom hour and it's number six um in total to how many podcasts we've done but i think if you go back and listen to the other five you will agree that they were also full of wisdom absolutely <laughs> So we've now launched the Wisdom Hour, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, see, now that was a perfect moment to have a sound effect, and I'm, uh, effect, and I'm just not prepared. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. You know. There you go. Uh, see, that's nice. a, I'm failing at my failing. Big time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's called fail, that sound effect. It's, it's a fail. It's not a win. It's a fail. Right. Um, so... Um, Nonetheless, though, how was your weekend, man? Did you play at all? It was, it was Mother's Day. It was good. I, I played, uh, last week I played on uh, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and I took off Saturday and Sunday when I would normally be working, and I went to Florida to see my mother um, and my family, and that was really cool. Um, so I have not played now. This will be the third night in a row, which is very rare for me to not play three nights in, in a row, three nights in a row not playing. That's very rare. I haven't picked up a bass. At all. Wow, I hope you remember how to play it. Me too. Um, I will be back tomorrow for then six nights in a row. I will be working. So, uh, But um, nothing too memorable about last week's gigs that now that I can, now that I'm trying to look back on them, um, it, it's starting to get to be the slow season here um, in town. Summer in New Orleans is the slowest time of year. Whereas a lot of other places, it's the busiest. I know in New Jersey, Shore is oh, yeah. the prime time, um, is uh, June, July, August. 
Um, Will you still play six nights a week and even in the summer? I'll still be playing just as often as I am, whether it's five nights or six nights. Um, but it's the crowds are just much lighter. It gets very hot here, man. It gets... Yeah. I mean, every day you get up and you it's going to be hot. There's no doubt about it. You just know for like three months straight that it's going to just be hot, very hot. And there's no, hot, hot, hot. And there's nothing you can do about it. So it's not really the tourist... Uh, favorite place to come during that time of year, but people still do come here. So there, yeah, it's not like there's nobody. Like southern hot, humid. Yeah, and people still have work functions like uh, conventions during the summer that come down, and uh, you still get your bachelorette parties and your birthday parties and things like that. People come for that. So um, sure. there's always people here, you know, uh, every day of the year in New Orleans, uh, but it's just a little bit slower than than uh, the rest of the year. So it's starting to get like that now. So there, there was nothing really. Uh, there was a dude that came up. This is pretty cool. There was a dude that came up uh, and played my bass on Thursday night at the Swamp. And he turned out to be a, uh, a club owner over pretty close to where I live. And I pl- actually played his club years ago once. And it was a really cool venue and it was a cool stage. And... Um, and I, I had a blast. They gave us cheap drinks, or I think it was even free drinks, like free drafts. When you get free drafts at a bar, then that's a great gig. Um, and it, the sound system was really good. Um, so what was the name of the place? Do you remember? It's called Barataria Live, and it's on Barataria Road or Street or something. Have maybe. Um, Barataria. And I met the guy, the owner. His name is Grant, and uh, Grant Nicholson, which is a really cool name. And... Uh, Grant Nicholson. And he came up and played bass um, on a couple songs, and he did really good. Um, he, I have a Fender P bass four-string that I use at the Swamp, and he came up and played that, and they played some bluesy type of tunes like uh, Fried and Joy and uh, Tush, I think, and uh, and it was great, you know. Uh, and it's really cool. I love being able to go out and hear my bass tone in the room when somebody else is playing it and also listen to the band, which, by the way, you know, I don't want to, you know, I'm not doing this to promote myself really at all. Um, but that band is really good. When I went out and listened to them and just was able to really hear everybody else uh, from an objective point of view, which I don't do when I'm playing because I'm more in the song and I'm more thinking about my parts and stuff or whatever. Sure. Um, the band is just kick ass, man. There's, there's such, my band. I, and I told them that when I got back up on stage, I'm like, wow, I'm really cool, happy to be in this band. You guys are great. And they're like, well, sorry, you're out, man. This new bass guy's taking your spot. Right. Right. Um, But he, you know, he's a really nice guy, and we talked. We were on break, and we talked for for a bit, and and then he later he came back. I told him, you know, you can come back up anytime you want tonight because I love taking breaks. Like, you know, I can just sit around and listen to music now and get paid for it. Um, But uh, he told me that he was he was telling me about the club, and he's like, yeah, I just upgraded all my equipment, and I got the uh, the X32. And I'm like, oh, cool. My, my friend Tony just got this for his band. So um, there's your perfect segue. How's that working out for your band? Yeah, no, it's it's definitely next level. It's uh, it's excellent. It's you know, it's night and day. You know, once you, once you experience it, you'll never go back to the way you're you know you're previously operating. But um, I was off this past weekend for Mother's Day, and then uh, 
this coming weekend. I got I'm off again, but I have uh, soccer all weekend with my my youngest son. Uh, double headers Saturday and uh, Sunday, and then the following week is Memorial Day weekend, and I got a private party on Saturday and a wedding on Sunday, and then I'm off on Monday. Right. So I'm looking forward to uh, using it again. You know, back to back. Got a bunch of gigs coming up, so that'd be good. Okay, so you didn't have it this week. I haven't used it. Yeah, I okay. didn't have it. I haven't used it since we last spoke. Gotcha. Okay. So, but uh, what we're talking about anyway is the Behringer X32 board. And after the sh- after we talked last week, I went and looked it up just so I could see what it looks like. And you were saying it's expensive. I was like, okay, yeah, it is expensive. Uh, but it looks so sharp. Uh, but there were different versions of it, so I wasn't sure which one you were actually using. Um, if you, I, if, think it's, I think it's the X32 um, concert, maybe it's cool. I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, I bet you Cal is going to answer. He may. He Let may. me see uh, it says it on my app that I have here. X32Q. Right. See, now here it is. Cal co- commented on your post, so he's going to tell us. Why does it say attachment unavailable? What is that about? Oh, that's the X32Q digital mixer. May 9th. All right. I'm just looking at something else here. Okay. Um, but anyway, X32, so, uh, X32 yeah. producer is what it's called. Says yes. So there you go. The producer. Right. So producer, I thought that was just enjoyment. I just felt it made me feel so smart when he said, uh, yeah, I got the X, uh, X32 for my club. And I'm like, oh, the Behringer. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey, why do you know? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. You know, like, I know all about that thing. Yeah, the Behringer's great. I mean, the Personas makes one. You know, there's a couple of them out there. But um, the thing with the Personas was it didn't have an Android, didn't support uh, Android platform. It only supports, um, you know, for the Apple for the iPhone. Gotcha. So Steve, Steve is all Android stuff, so he needed something that was going to be, you know, both. Um, but, yeah, no, in general, great, great investment killer board. I'm more Android, too. Are you an Android or an iPhone guy? No, I have an iPhone. I do. I've I never... just have one, you know, work and personal. I know people carry around a couple, multiple phones. Right. I've never gone the Apple route for anything except for an iPod. Um, but I have, you know, PCs, and I have, I've have i always had Android phones. And uh, I don't know. I had I, a Samsung Galaxy phone before I had this iPhone, and... The camera was kick-ass in, in that, that Samsung phone, i got to say. Yeah, that's what it, I have, it, too. It was really outstanding. Yeah, the camera's great. I'm if I have the Galaxy S7 Edge. Yeah. Yep. And the camera's great on that. Um, but I don't know if there's a bit... I think there's a, more of a benefit for musicians to use Apple gear as far as computer. I know with a Mac, you can just do more with music stuff, like recording Yeah, and, and I mean, any tablet, right, you could use for controlling, but iPad seems to be the universe, and everybody has an iPad nowadays. Right, except me. And that's the way to get one. Um, yeah, I, uh, it's, it's on my list. It's on my Christmas list. Um, I'm getting some, some wacky sounds from your end. Really? Yeah, a little little bit of beetle bop boop, like alien sounds. Be- 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 
Yeah. Really? That's just very strange. I hear nothing. Not right now. It just happened. Nothing but my luxurious voice. It happened. <laughs> it happened uh, briefly, about 15 seconds ago. Um, Maybe it's aliens trying to tune into Cover Band Central to find out what's going on here, you know? Maybe. And that is the dumb part of the wisdom. <laughs> yes. Can't always be serious. Has to be some fun in games. Right. So, um, what else about last week? Um, really not much else to report about gigs. Everything's kind of status quo. Although, I would like to talk about, and this is a, a topic that is brought up all the time um, with me in my life as a, as a player and also with um, on Cover Band Central people talk about this a lot and I've written a couple articles about it too um, and what I'm talking about is song selection um, when you're playing in a cover band and I was you know I was driving I drove to Florida this weekend and about three and a half four hour drive and drove back today and I have my iPod in the car and just have it on shuffle and listening to songs and there's I mean there's I have thousands and thousands of songs on there and there's so many great ones and I kind of always think on in the back of my mind when I'm listening to a song is this something that we could play in one of our bands will it work and most of the time the answer is no um, for various reasons so I, I I wrote an article a while ago that kind of broke down the criteria that you need to sort of follow when you're picking a song to play in a cover band and it's going to vary from person to person from band to band from location to location but but these um, factors are all I think relevant across the board that are and I, I wrote the article and I called it factors to consider so what I'm saying is you need to take these things into account when you're picking your songs yeah song selection but but it's not set in stone but these are de so it's again it's going to be different for every band in every uh, scenario. But these are things that you want to consider. You know, you don't want to just arbitrarily pick songs, and a lot of bands will do that because they like a song. This song is great. Let's play it. And back to talking about the songs I was listening to on my iPod. To me, they're all great. I put them on my iPod. I think they're all great songs. But will they work in a cover band situation or specifically my cover band situation and most of the time the answer to me was no uh, because I consider these factors so uh, you're with me oh yeah I mean you know I can remember the early early days playing in cover bands and we used to play you know exactly what you just said the songs that we wanted to play you know not necessarily the songs that people would want to hear or dance to but songs that we would like to play and we did them well and, you know, on several occasions, people come up and say, man, the band sounds great. You guys are killing it. But can you play something danceable? Can you play something that we can dance to? You know, uh, because when you're in a bar or you're at a private party, you know, you're not on the stage. It's not a performance per se. Right. Where people are sitting there uh, as a captive audience. You know, people are it's a party. So they want to dance. And, you know, your background music for the party. But you want to be good background music. And the song selection is something that we go back and forth a real lot about. And we pick it, you know, we always said that we would do uh, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and today anything that was a top 20 hit is a good description of what we do. Right. And, so, you know, to yeah. your point, 
Yeah. the songs depending on the venue you're playing super important yeah so yeah before you get too deep into everything i want to kind of break this down into into each element and then kind of riff on each element a little bit and and again cool. i want to emphasize that these are factors you want to consider don't ignore considering these factors in other words but i'm not telling you that you have to do all of these things you know, and people kind of get that out of shape, and it, and it looks like that in writing sometimes, where it's saying, uh, where people uh, perceive it that way, that it's just being dictated, like, this is the way you need to do things. You and, must play Sweet Caroline. Right, it, right. And, and I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that you do have to consider these factors. You cannot ignore these factors when you're picking your songs. Well, so, you can ignore them, but you will have less success than if you don't. Right, right. Yeah, if you want to have a good gig, you want to, uh, people to enjoy themselves, you want to make money, you want to be asked back to the venue, and you want to have a long you know, career doing this type of thing, um, then these are important things to know and to put into practice. So, 10 things. So, number one is the venue or the type of gig. Um, you know, you're going to know ahead of time what kind of gig it is and what sort of music you would probably be expected to play. That makes sense, right? Oh, certainly. And there'll also probably be certain songs that cross over to multiple uh, genres of, of, you know, the type of gig you're playing from a wedding to a party to a bar. You know, there, there is a handful of songs that you can play. Uh, the same song in all three venues, and it'll be fine. But for the most part, correct. You know, depending on your target audience, you're going to want to pick your song and your song list accordingly. Right. So you're probably not going to be playing an Iron Maiden song at a wedding. Probably not. There might probably be, not. There might be an exception. The request, yes. There might be an exception to that. You might have a metal crowd at your wedding and a metal bride and groom, and they want to hear some metal. But... In most cases, you're not going to be playing that. You're not going to be playing Maiden at a wedding, right. more than likely. So, so that's a thing, just a general thing that you want to consider. And, and it seems probably very obvious to everybody, or almost everybody who does this or who has done it. But it still gets neglected here and there. Um, so it's just factor number one. Uh, factor number two would be the genre of the music. Um, it is a factor you want to consider. If you're, I, I played, I played a gig in Alabama, um, uh, about around three years ago. I was living in Alabama, and I I got this you know Craigslist uh, ad gig, and I did a, a, about probably four or five gigs with them, just in bars, like podunk jukebox pool table bars, um, and but they played like hard rock. They play, and it song was a really even obscure hard rock, it, um, or a, at least obscure songs. But you know, I'm a hired gun in that case. I'm like, I don't care. You learn this song, okay? I learn that song. Um, and we play. <laughs> one of the games we played was like, it was almost like the Blues Brothers Chicken Wire thing place. <laughs> yeah, I swear to you. I, I mean, it, and the stage was kind of like that. It. it there wasn't chicken wire, but I remember some sort of obstruction, and, and I can't. I wish I took pictures of that. Um, but we went in there, and we're playing like disturbed, and uh, 
I just <laughs> like Alice in Chains and and songs like the, uh, uh, those kind of bands. So um, some of the more like uh, Collective Soul. So that's a little bit more melodic, but um, and these people just were not having it, man. <laughs> they were not. They were like they were yell. They were booing us and they were yelling at us. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were booing us and they were yelling <laughs> they were yelling at us to play country music and the, the I guess the they didn't, they didn't want to get down with the sickness like three <laughs> songs in man the manager came up to the stage and t- to talk to the singer and said listen these guys want to hear country here and you got to start playing some country music right now and the 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 singer just did not care he was like he was just f you like he didn't say that to her he was just but he didn't agree when he was talking to her, he didn't say, okay, we'll do that. He was just like, uh, you know, yeah, we don't, that's not what we're doing here. And he just would turn around and say, all right, next song. All right. Uh, so you can destroy, right? That's great. <laughs> we'll play some Metallica now. And we uh, rule. You suck. Beat it. Three, four. It, it was just a, such a surreal experience to have in out Southern Alabama where you would expect people to want to hear country music. You know, yeah. you're in the deep south. Country music is very popular. Um, so th- the fact that these guys were just born and bred Alabama <laughs> and they didn't care was was a it was a fantastic experience. And we got to play the whole night. And uh, and it I, we didn't really turn the crowd around. Um, and we uh, big surprise there. <laughs> but but they didn't. There weren't a lot of people there anyway. And it was a pretty well-sized club bar, um, but um, we didn't like just drive everybody out either. So we ended up playing the whole night, and you know whatever it was, three sets, and got paid for it. And and I remember that we either got cheap cheap drinks or free drinks there too. So, um, but yeah, long story to just emphasize that the uh, the genre of music you're playing. <laughs> is important to to be aware of if it's appropriate for where you're playing. Yeah, and sometimes you can read the crowd too, you know, as you're performing through the gig, certain songs, you know, you'll you'll see that it perks them up or it wakes them up or they respond really positively to it, you know, and then you can, you know, hunt and peck down that, that road of that genre to pull out some more stuff, you know, if you have a, a crowd that's dancing to... Uh, you know, Billy Jean, and then maybe they're, they like December 1963, and they're more of an R&B crowd. You know, you can start to pull out some Stevie Wonder, and you can start to kind of call some audibles on stage, you know. Uh, whereas you can also do the same thing where you might play a song like we used to call the, the dance floor clearer. You know, you'll you'll break out a song, and instantly the dance floor is packed, and it parts the seas, and there's no longer anybody on the dance floor. And then you make a check next to that on your set list and say... Have to remember that for next time. Yeah, and if it's you know two or three times it clears the dance floor, then you got to take it off the list, no matter how much you love playing it. Yeah, that's that's good to do. That's a good exercise to practice. Um, we definitely don't don't do that here, but um, in a situation like you with your band, um, that's an excellent exercise. Absolutely. So, genre, yeah, that's that. Um, number three would be the popularity, and this one is where people get all up in arms about picking songs. Um, but it's it's a fact. You have to play songs that most of the people there are going to know. Oh, yeah. 
they're going to be at least somewhat familiar with the song. They've heard it before, and they've heard it before more than once. And this is where people really get freaked out about this topic. Um, and in some cases, I think people are justified in getting freaked out about this topic because they don't want to play Jesse's Girl. They don't want to play Sweet Home Alabama. They don't want to play Enter Sandman um, or any of those over completely overplayed popular songs. Um, right. And, and some people can do it successfully. I've seen bands pick songs that are more obscure, more deep album cuts, but still songs that people know, but they weren't like top 40 hits or whatever and do well. Um, but they're committed to it. That's their thing. That's what they do that. They have an audience that that audience knows what to expect and they'll come back time and time again to see that band because of that reason. Perfect. If that's the way you approach doing your band, perfect. If it's working, excellent. But in most cases, if you're playing as a cover band or a cover artist or whatever in any sort of gig, you've got to play songs that people know, period. If, if they don't know it, they're just not going to be interested in you or your band unless you're just an amazing killer player and you're playing amazing killer songs that people just haven't heard and then they get engaged because you're so good and the song is so good. Yeah, but that's few and far between, yeah. right? Yeah, and for me as a musician, I, I dig that. If I go see a band or a player and I hear a song that I've never heard before, but they're killing it, then I'm going to be there. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be like, who is this person and who or who is this band and what is this song? I'm going to adopt that, And but I'm a musician. I'm, I'm a junkie with it, and most people aren't. True, and you can still play a killer song if you can pull it off that is somewhat mainstream but maybe not super popular. Like, you know, let's say you want to break out Tom Sawyer or you want to break out Limelight, you know, or something like that. It's still mainstream radio. It's Rush. You know, people will identify with it. They will know it, um, you know, more so than if you broke out Cygnus X1 or Hemispheres. Right, right. You're only going to appeal to Rush fans if you play anything off of 2112 or or hemispheres or <laughs> right. I I mean it's or fly by night even you, you're only going to appeal to rush fans nobody's going to the the there's this thing that I always sort of know intuitively um, here if somebody comes up to the stage and says play Metallica what what they're really saying is play Enter Sandman right every time if somebody comes up to the stage and says play guns and roses what they're really saying is play sweet child of mine right um and if they're not saying play sweet child of mine somebody would come up in this to the stage and say play paradise city they would specify that which song they wanted to hear um, but if they just say generically play guns and roses they want to hear sweet child of mine that's it that and it's funny you know like you said back to popularity when we always say 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s today, anything that was a top 20 hit, if you go, you know, into Billboard charts and you look up top 20 hits for, you know, all those different decades of years and you go through, um, you know, you can't go wrong because those are all the radio hits of the decades, you know, um, 80s and 90s, particularly having a, a ton of popular songs, you know, more so than, say, 60s and 70s that people could relate to, especially a younger crowd. But it's definitely out there. So if you can find something that was, you know, a top 20 hit, you know it was popular. It's If you still hear on the radio today, it's a pretty good bet that people are going to like it. Right. Right. That's a very good indication that people still want to hear it. I'm going to do something fun, I think, now. I'm going to try this. Let me see. Let me see if it's here. 
Yes. I'm going to try this. Stop the drummer. Wow. We're going to stump. We're going to play stump the drummer. All right. Let's go. Stump the drummer. See, I need applause after that. I'm going to be right on that. Yeah. Thank you. I Thank seriously you. need an engineer. So I'm going to say an artist, and you're going to tell me what song the, the person in the crowd is trying to tell me to play. Okay? So, okay. So I'm the person in the crowd, and you're, you're me on stage, and you're going to tell me what song I mean. Okay? You got it. All right. Here we go. Play Brian Adams. Summer of 69. Ding, 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 ding. I see I need a, need a bell now. Um, let's see. I'm going to have a bell. Hang on a minute. Hang on. There you go. That's good. I like it. You have okay. to know you're right, but you were, no, you were definitely right there. All right. Um, play Skinnerd. Skinnerd. Wow. I'm uh, maybe Sweet Home Alabama. I think that would be the answer, Sweet Home Alabama. But Skinner is kind of a trick question because that goes to the whole Freebird thing. But if yeah, somebody wants Freebird, I mean, if somebody wants Freebird, they're just going to yell Freebird. But they're not; they don't even want Freebird. They're just yelling it because they think that they're cool. And there's always somebody yelling Freebird, and Jimmy, the keyboard player in my band, will always start playing it, and will whistle like a bird, make it, and people, and then the guy who wants to hear it is going absolutely out of his mind, and then we don't play it. <laughs> oh, see, that's cruel now. Then they approach the stage and they're like, "Oh, come on, what the f, man? You just gonna do it?" What we what we do with Freebirds, we say it's a thousand dollars. You got to pay us a thousand dollars. Fall in the God of Davida. And sometimes we've done where like somebody yells Freebird and we say, "Okay, it's at a uh, hundred fifty dollars right now." Freebird. Anybody got a hundred fifty dollars? And then the price keeps going up. So <laughs> you don't have to do it. No, but we. But I have actually played Freebird on Bourbon Street more than once so it's actually a great song it's a fun song to play it is it definitely is i've played it a couple of times myself in my life yeah. but not recently and it's but a, we digress let's move on yeah it's a jam song so people well i like digressing man it's the wisdom hour come on man it is man um so all right so i gotta pick another artist see i should have I, sh I did not prepare for this game at all but let me uh let me go uh acdc Shook me all night long. Shook me all night long, baby. And uh, we do that, and we do Highway to Hell. Um, sometimes we do a whole lot of Rosie, which is cool. Yeah. We yeah. Do, we'll do TNT. We do Dirty Deeds. Um, Sin City. We've never done Sin City. I've done Back in Black, Hell's Bells. Uh, I'd say it's either... Highway to Hell, Back in Black, or Shook Me, but Shook Me would be the number one, I think. Shook Me is the number one. That's what everybody wants to hear. Yep. Shook Me. Um, so, and I made a list uh, years ago of the top 50 songs, and that is In It, um, because it's a song you gotta know. You just gotta know it. Uh, and, it and it's one of those songs, uh, when you play it, everybody gets up to dance, and everybody loves it. Everybody you know, loves they all, it. Everybody knows it, and they love it. Everybody knows it, and they love it. Um, all right. Ooh, I didn't want to do that. Uh, let's see, what else? All right. This is the easy, obvious, no-brainer one, but here you go. Journey! Don't stop believing. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> another great tune another crowd pleaser you it's, play that and everybody's up and everybody loves it it's an, and everybody uh, sings along uh, yeah and you know what i've I couldn't even put a number on how many times i played that song it's hundreds maybe thousands i don't know um but how about bruce you get a request for bruce I, down by you uh occasionally we get we'll get people from jersey here and right. it's usually just people from Jersey that request Bruce. I've never heard anybody that's not from Jersey request Bruce, but uh, we we will play it. Uh, we play uh, we'll play Glory Days, um, um, and I've played uh, Born to Run as well. So yeah, uh, we'll do board, we'll do Born to Run. We'll do uh, Thunder Road. We'll do Rosalita. We might even pull out an obscure Bruce like Growing Up. Oh, I don't even know that song. Yeah, it's good. It's a good tune. Um, but, uh, yeah, back to journey. Um, that's, I, I still love playing it. I still love playing that song. It's a fun bass line. It's, it's, it's really enjoyable for me to just watch people have fun and watch people dance and sing. And that's, that, that's what makes it fun for me. Um, so, all right, let's pick another one. Um, Def Leppard. I would have to say, uh, pour some sugar on me. Pour some sugar on me. That's the one. That's what every girl, man, they dance to it. They love it. Yep. They love it. Um, Again, popular tunes. Right. Uh, let's see. Any other? Oh, all right. This is probably a no-brainer, too. Play Bon Jovi! More than likely living on a prayer. Mm-hmm. Could also maybe be Runaway or It's My Life. It's you know, almost... Top three. It's living on a prayer. And it's, it's almost as if, like... The bands have become the song, or the song has become the band to these people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, they're they're not even saying the name of the song, but that's the song that they want. That's it. You know it. If if somebody wanted Bon Jovi and they didn't want Living on a Prayer, they would they'd say the name of the song. Right. They would uh, ask you specifically for a different Bon Jovi song. Yeah. Um, so I get this all the time, like you know, every night. Um, Let's see if I can find one more that would be an obvious. I'm looking at the master song list here. And some are, you know, iffy. All right. This is probably, you'll probably get this one too. Hey, play some Aussie. Crazy Train. <laughs> Which is. You, my friend. Okay. A great tune to play. I love playing Crazy Dream. Yes, and you have one. Stop the drummer. What do I win? You have won the game. <laughs> uh, you win accolades from the masses. Excellent. I'll take that. Accolades are good. Right. All right, so talk about digressing. Wow, we went way off on that. But popularity, so that's it. I mean, that's what I'm talking about, really, with popularity. In my situation, I'm playing in a tourist town where we're getting the, the sort of melting pot of the world there. So I, I, we get people from all over the United States, all over North America, all over the world um, here. And you get people that are coming from Germany requesting Bon Jovi. Um, you need to play, and you know, this sounds demeaning, this term, but I say to the lowest common denominator of people. You want to have the most people know most of the songs. 
as much as you can. So you pick the ones that are overplayed, the ones that are that still get people dancing because most people are not paying attention to how good you are. Nobody cares how good a guitar player you are. Right, you're just background music for the party or the bar or you know whatever the situation is. Um, so the better we you know we can do it, obviously is, is you know more genuine to the the song and, and how it would sound on the record. So you want to do an accurate representation and you want to put right. your best foot forward. Right. But all those songs that you just went through, Steve, are you know uh, they're all staples. You know they've all been played to death, right, a million times. Some people might cringe that are in bands if, when you say those songs because they're like, ugh, I've played that song 10,000 times, you know? Yes. But the key to remember is that the audience might be hearing your band do it for the first time. So you can't play it like it sounds like it's the 10,000th time you're playing it. You're just going through the motions and you're just kind of winging through it and, you know, it's just routine. You still got to be engaged and you still got to make it rock, you know, and you still got to want to have excitement and some enthusiasm in it. Because, again, like you said, you're playing for a crowd that maybe has never seen you before and they're hearing you play it for the first time. Right. Even though you've played it hundreds of times. Right. So you have to play it like the first time every time and play stuff people know. Damn yep. it. Now you can sprinkle in, you know, here and there an odd tune. And, you know, someone may appreciate and say, wow, I can't believe you broke that out, you know. Right. Um, but like you said, for the most part, yes. 90% of your set has to be popular yes. stuff. Yes. And again, for those skeptics out there, for the people that are, are you know, upset with saying, no, we're going to do our thing. There are people that are very good at that. If you can pick a, a certain set list that is a little left to center and find an audience that will enjoy it consistently then go for it do it um that's it um, and again like you said earlier these are considerations they're by no means the way to do it or the only way to do it you right. know they're just right it's just some wisdom right consider how popular it is before you say we're putting this in our set list um yeah. so number four would be the tempos of the songs and uh. um there's, I, I'm a big fan of putting together um, medleys and segues and, and things like that where where one song flows into the other. Um, I remember seeing bands that were really good back in when I was uh, a lot younger in Jersey and like Pennsylvania that were just rock solid at the drummer would never stop. You know, the drummer yeah, was no, always... No the, the drummer was always playing. And that didn't mean that the tempos needed to be all the same, but it, it works out great to keep people uh, engaged and moving and singing and dancing. Um, if you're just rolling uh, so, like medleys song into song that are close in tempo um, and not close enough to where you're not going to notice any sort of difference or nobody's going to be jarred if, if they're dancing, you know, at the tempo that you're currently playing, you want to keep them dancing. You want to make it sound like one sort, one song. Sometimes, you know, that's a thing that you can include in your. Yeah, from a drummer's perspective, you can string songs together. Like if you're doing, let's just say you could do Billie Jean into Dancing Queen into December 63, um, you know, into Cake by the Ocean. Any of those songs, you know, they all have almost the same beat. They're very close in tempo. You can massage it up or down a little bit. Um you know, you can you can definitely uh, string stuff together. And, you know, also with tempo, Steve, one thing is being a drummer, my biggest pet peeve is always tempo, right? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You're playing it too fast. You're playing it too slow. Who's starting the song? Are they starting it at the right tempo? Uh, you know, because the drummer, right? If I speed up or slow down, everybody else has to follow me. So you're kind of steering the ship there. And if you listen to a song like, say, Love Shack, it's really slow on the studio record, you know? And right. if you try to, you know, write that BPM down, if you're making a little sheet for yourself, you know, on your set list and you're putting tempos next to the songs, which some people do, um, you know, you'll find that even listening to it, if you play it that slow out at the gig, it's too slow. You know, you got you got to pick it up a little bit. So there's a fine line, you know, that two, three BPM, faster or slower, uh, really contributes a lot to the feel of the song. So tempo, not only from a medley standpoint, like what you're saying, but actually from, you know, you have to use it as a barometer almost, because if it's too fast and you lose the groove, people aren't going to dance. But if you play just a little too slow or you're too far behind the beat, it's just going to drag, you know? So right. finding the right tempo and playing it, uh, you know, for the given situation is also very important. Right. And um, you didn't want to mix up tempos and break it up, you know, break up the dynamic of your set and uh, and try to affect the room. And But that's something that you want to consider. Um so, I mean, I got a little distracted here because there was one comment on the page from somebody listening, and it was from 20 minutes ago, and he says, his comment is, what a load of shit. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks that's, for, his, that's his comment. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. So now it's 21 minutes ago, so I don't know what we were talking about at that time that he thinks is a load of shit. So, and Terry, if you're still listening, um, please elaborate on what, what is a load of shit. Uh, I wish we could elaborate have, on the shit. Yeah. I, w- I wish we could have people call in. It's got to stop. Yeah. I wish we could have, could have people call in. See, I, <laughs> I, I'm guessing that he hasn't listened to the whole thing and he didn't hear the disclaimer in the beginning saying, these are just considerations and it's not going to apply to everybody and whatever. So he's disagreeing with something, but whatever. So let's, uh, if he wants to respond, go right ahead, brother. Um, so, great. So let's move on to number five. Uh, is it danceable um, is, is a factor you want to consider. Um, if you're playing a gig where people are probably going to dance or are encouraged to dance or definitely have a nice dance floor, um, the songs you select, you want to definitely consider whether they are danceable or not. And danceable doesn't necessarily mean, for one, it doesn't mean a dance song, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's got to be uh, a fast song because slow songs are danceable too. And, and there's a lot of gigs where I've played even in the last couple of years um, outside of the French quarter where um, s- slow songs were worked better than um, fast songs. You got, you had a lot more couples in the crowd that would get up on the, uh, the dance floor when you played a slow sort of ballady romantic type of tune. Um, so that would fall under the category of, is it danceable? But that's, another factor you want to consider. And I think that kind of ties in a lot with the other things of like, uh, the venue and, uh, and whatnot. No doubt. And like, to your point, there's, you know, all different tempos can be danceable. Right. And, you know, it depends on the crowd too, because you may be playing all danceable stuff and nobody's dancing and you could have people that are dancing to undanceable songs as well. Right. But like for your considerations, yeah. Is it danceable is a great, thing to ask yourself when you hear the song you know you you say to yourself does it make you feel like you want to get up and dance or you're tapping your foot to it you know is it is it calling you up to the dance floor or not right 
that is uh, a factor, certainly. Um, but I'm thinking number six is, it, it's my biggest one that I think of uh, when I'm, I'm, if I'm in charge of picking songs for my gig, um, this is a, the biggest factor that I consider. Number six, do women like it? Right. Well, who's 90% of who's up dancing first? Right. It's right. always the girls. Guys are very seldom the first ones out on the dance floor, unless it's like a John Travolta type of guy who can really dance and he wants to show off. Right. Um, I mean, the simple fact is, and everybody should know this, is that any place there's women, there's going to be guys. And if the women are dancing, the guys will follow. The guys will follow. They will buy them drinks. They will spend money. Your band will do well. You will be asked back to that venue. Right. But again, if you if you do look around, you will see if there's, you know, 50 people up dancing, probably 35 to 40 of them are, are women. And they'll dance with each other and they get up and they have a good time and they're not afraid to dance. And they're way, you know, more likely to start dancing and pull up their friend to dance than, than guys would. Right. Um, you, it's it's a factor to consider, and I think it's one of the biggest ones to consider. It's, um, you know, again, going back to song selection, you or, or just um, genre, you can pick songs that you like that are are, are more about your genre and, and whatever that is, and do it for yourself. And that, you know what. I don't have a problem with people playing gigs doing it for themselves. Um, if, if you're not looking for any uh, monetary gain or, and you're not looking to make a career out of it, you're just going out and playing your guitar because you want to play your guitar and you don't give a rat's ass who's there or how much money you make or whether you get free drinks or not. You just want to go play with your friends. Cool. That's cool. I'm not talking to those people when I'm talking about these factors of things you want to consider. I'm talking to the people who are looking to play often, who want to play, uh, who are trying to put together a band, grow their band, grow their fan base, and actually do something with it. Um, so there's a lot of this audience, you know, almost 75,000 people on this page now that are not going to fit into this, that this is not going to be relevant to them because they're just doing it for them. And that's cool. There's nothing wrong with it. Go out and play play your guitar play whatever songs you want i did it you know i did it a lot in in my career you know i've been playing for 34 years i i've gone out and played gigs just for to get my eyes off and that's there's nothing wrong with it but yeah but if you're working if you're in a working band and you're trying to market it you know to a certain audience right and you're trying to get work and you're and you're really pushing it you know to be that sort of vehicle, right? Not just, you know, to get your yayas out, but to go out and actually make some money and to treat it more like a business, right? And develop a following and get word of mouth and, and like you said, and work a lot. Uh, then these are definitely factors that you want to take into consideration. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm talking, I'm trying to talk to people who are looking to learn, looking to broaden their whole experience with this. And you and I to, together have had, you know, a boatload of experience doing this and that's why we feel like we, we are are able to to uh impart this information to you but you know it's not gonna be for everybody so that's why no, we, but it, that's why we got to keep it dumb 
Sure, but to your point, <laughs> if we can help someone who's starting off or is you know just getting going or is trying to break to to another level and to raise the, you know the level of their band or, or or do something different or you know market themselves differently, for sure. If if anything that we discuss on this show can help someone to shave time off their journey, you know, then it's beneficial. And like you said, it's not for everybody, but there will be people out there that will get more from it than others. You know? Right. There will be people out there who don't think it's a, a bunch of shit. Right. Like Terry. Right. Like Terry. And, and, uh, he hasn't responded uh, and I'm tempted to respond to him on there, but, but I won't, I'm glad he made that comment though, because I know that there's that audience out there that just don't buy into, you know, any sort of things that I'm talking about or writing about, you know, the, the top 50 song list that I, uh, they wrote, wrote out, I've gotten a lot of flack for that, but I also have gotten a lot of hits on it and I continue to get a lot of hits on it every day. It's like number one on Google for like 700 different keyword combinations. Um, so it's, it's something that's, that's, uh, working and, and the only the specific reason I wrote that was just for people to, you need to know these songs. You don't necessarily need to play them, but you need to know them. But there's people like this guy out there that are just like, you know, I don't want to do any of that. I want to go play guitar. I want to play Slayer. And, and well, you know, as, hey, you know, you know what it is too, Steve, not to cut you off, but it's like, you know, so, Hey, so take Terry, for example, right? It's, it's not his cup of tea. He's not digging it. And, and that's fine. Right. But keep an open mind, you know, uh, Terry, I hope you had to have an open mind to, to look out, there and, and try to find something that is beneficial to you that that you do find some some knowledge in and some some you know some pointers that you can use or things that you can apply to what you're doing you know and uh just keep an open mind and, and just keep learning as a musician and try to you know like i said gather as much information and experience as possible and if it's not for you that's cool you know you don't need to bash it or hate it just move on and find right. something that is you know it is for you and, and keep it positive and you know find something that does inspire you and if this isn't it, then, you know, there's there's other things out there for sure. You know, there's millions of things on the web you could find. So just keep looking for that one thing that's going to help you and, uh, you know, seek and you shall find it. Right. We're all about love here, man. This is this was a, a page and, and an idea born of love, and it's going to continue to be that for love of music and love of musicians and just, you know, all about positivity. So um, it's not for yeah, and that's it. Just put putting stuff out there, you know. If it sticks, great. If it doesn't, then uh, right. it doesn't. All right. So I think you know, women do women like it? I think that's pretty self-explanatory. I mean, it should be. Um, so I'm going to move on to number seven. Seven. Can the singer pull it off? Um, the, the, you know, there's still songs that I play down here where the singer is just struggling for to to do it. And here in New Orleans, it doesn't matter as much. Um, people will still kind of um, enjoy the, the whole song, and they're not even really paying attention to how well it's being sung. Um, but there's there's people out here that definitely struggle more um, with with some of the higher stuff, um, and you know you'll hear voice cracking and or hitting off notes and things like that. Uh, but I think in in general, in for bands that play, you know, the kind of the same set or same songs at the same location or same vicinity, um, you should have songs where the singer can really do it with conviction. Oh, yeah. There's nothing worse than breaking into a song and then it's, you know, out of the singer's range. I mean, we do it a lot, too, where 
when we do pick the songs, we'll go around the horn and see who, who can sing it, you know? Right. So it sounds the best. Right. That's a good way to do it, because you guys have how many how many people sing in your band? We have uh, we have four singers. So that's five of us. Right. And, so Kel, that, and Kel can sing, too. He just chooses not to at this time. <laughs> at this time. <laughs> <laughs> Kel said, uh, he, he said earlier, to play songs the client wants to hear. So that was what we were talking about before. But uh, yeah, true, I, but yeah a, so if you have, you know, and we have girl singer, you know, guy singer and myself and, and, and Jimmy. So we got three, three men and, and, and a female vocal and they're all pretty unique. Um, you know, I have the highest voice probably range of the three of us. Um, but Steve is the lead singer and sings a majority of the songs, you know, and then Shuli sings a majority of the songs as well. And anything that's a higher range uh, would definitely be for Shuli. Right. So it's good to be able to bounce that back and forth, you know, and and, and see. And listen, we've done songs too, and it's like, you know, it just doesn't sound good. Let, let you know, so-and-so sing it uh, if, they're, if they're up for it. And then, you know, we try to pick through and find, like you said, the best voice for the song. Right. And if and if we just can't do it, then we don't do it. Right. You know, rather than do it poorly, we just would, you know, try not to attempt it. Right. So that's a factor you want to consider. If the singer pulls it off, if it sounds good when that singer is singing that song. Um, number eight, instrumentation. Um, you guys have keyboards. Um, I play in bands with keyboards, and I play in bands sometimes that don't have keyboards. But we play songs that originally had keyboards on the track so we have to kind of figure out a way to pull that off instrumentally um without keyboards and we can do it you know it's it's um i hate to say good enough but it's it is good enough where the crowd will still not uh, care that much that something is missing um, but when you're picking a song, especially that has a, a lot of instruments or or, or um, involved instrumentation, then uh, that's a, a thing you want to consider. Can your band do that, pull off that song with what you have to offer? Absolutely. Or can you, can you like you said too, could you play to a track? Could you sequence it? You know what I mean? Could you play to a click and, and have, you know, the backing track with, with the accompaniment on it. If you're that sophisticated, you know, you could pull it off that way as well. Right. Um, so that's a factor you want to consider. Number nine, does it work? Does it work for the gig that the kind of gig that you're doing? It, have you played in that club before? Have you played to that crowd before? Um, and did it work before? It goes back to what you were saying earlier, um, how you have a list and you, um, will, if something doesn't fly, you make a note of it on your, your set list. Yeah, and then eventually we'll just let it drop off, you know, or uh, sometimes resurrect it, you know, down the road. But I think does it work in general is, you know, we've learned plenty of songs too, and after we put the time into, you know, rehearsing it a couple of times and learned it, maybe played it live, it just doesn't work. And then, you know, we move on from it. Right. And Either it doesn't sound good or, you know, it's... it's uh, Let's face it, you know, some songs are low-hanging fruit, right? You can learn them quick, one and done, and you can get them up and going. And other songs are more of a mission, you know, where they're they're more uh, heavily arranged or, like, you, to your point, too, you know, the different instrumentation, uh, you know, where you, de you definitely have to work a lot harder to get it to sound authentic. Right. Um, and, yeah, 
it, that's what it's all about. And uh, if it works more often than not, then keep it there. If it works less often than not, then get rid of it. And I think it ties back to your other point of popularity, right? Because if people are dancing and singing along, it's working. Right. And then finally, uh, requests. Um, that's something that uh, you decide based on the type of gig, the venue, and all that stuff. Um, whether you're going to take requests or not, um, some places it's just sort of a given where people do request, like in my situation, um, and it's even encouraged in New Orleans, um, but not every gig is like that, um, but it's a factor you want to consider. Does your band take requests? And if you do take requests, um, are you able to pull those songs off? Things like that. Um, if, if you have a, a, a band of seasoned players who know a lot of material, then taking requests usually is a no-brainer because most of the time people re will request songs that you, you'll know. As a seasoned musician, you, you'll know those songs. So um, that's definitely a factor. Number 10, the final factor, to consider when you're picking your songs for your gig. And again, you know, if you've played, if you've been around a while, if you have 200 songs in your repertoire or more, you know, um, you know, I've played with guys who, you know, on break, you'd be talking with them and say, well, you know, how many songs do you really know? And there might be a thousand songs, you know, that someone knows that they could, they could pull off. I have a friend of mine who's, uh, does a lot of acoustic, you know, shows as, as a single musician, you know, singer, songwriter, solo guy, guitar player, uh, very talented musician, and same thing. It's almost all requests all night, right? Because in his mind, he knows a 1,000 or 2,000 songs. So people can say, hey, play Roundabout, and he's breaking it out, you know, right. on acoustic guitar and, and singing it and, and killing it. Right. So, again, you got to be comfortable doing it, and you also have to know it enough where you're not, completely hacking through it, you know, and, and just killing it, uh, in a bad way. Right. That's it. Right. Uh, so if you can't do the request authentically or you don't think you can pull it off, you can always say to the guy, Hey, we don't really do it. And, and the bass player doesn't know it, but we'll, we'll try it, you know? And, uh, here we go. But if, if, you know, half the guys in the band don't know it, it's going to be very hard to pull it off. Right. And that, my friend, wraps up the 10 points, uh, tips t to consider. For consideration. For your consideration when you're picking songs. And again, it's not for everybody, but it's for people that really want to take this kind of thing seriously. And there's a lot of people like that out there uh, in this country, around the world, that are doing this seriously, working as a musician, trying to um, make something of their life with playing music in many different capacities with many different types of music, uh, different languages, you know, everywhere. Um, people love music and they love um, being able to do it well so that they can really enhance the experience, not only for themselves, but for everybody involved. So that's kind of the whole big picture of, of, sharing these tips with anybody and sharing these points um everything nothing is set in stone but this is a guide to help you if you really want to do it if you really want to do it for um not only fun but profit and and uh 
just uh, overall enhancing your musical journey. Absolutely, brother. Journey. And any of these tips that you apply, right, the, it will help you to be more successful. Yes. And that's all we can help, hope to do is to help people, you know? Yeah, absolutely, because we know what we're talking about. We do. I mean, I'm, I, I'll go toe-to-toe with anybody, man. I've been doing this for a long time, so uh, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love getting feedback, whether it's positive or negative. I, I love it, and, and uh, um, it's, you know, no, I don't know everything. Nobody does know everything, but it's it's great to have an open discussion with people about all this, so we can all learn from each other. Yeah, and like I said, we're not here to debate it, right? We're just here to put out some ideas and put out some information and some wisdom that hopefully helps other people to, you know, succeed in what they're doing. Wisdom. Yeah. All right, brother. Adios, amigos. Combat Central Wisdom Hour, number six. That's it. Facebook.com slash Combat Central. What's the site for your band, dude? Theweisenheimers.com. All right. Until next week, my friend. We'll see you. Peace. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.